We have been looking at our purpose over these last few weeks. Dusty made reference to that a little bit ago, and he put that on the screen. I would like uh, for us to read this sentence together just to be reminded of what our purpose is. We have been created to love God, love people, and live God's plan. Let's read it again because I think about half of you were... We're with me on that, okay? Let's all of us read it together. We have been created to love God, love people, and live God's plan. If we could just recognize that purpose and live accordingly, what a difference it would make in our life. I I sat in the the kitchen of a fellow this last week who's new to our church. We were across the table from one another, and I was sharing with him about this particular purpose statement that our church has and and I said to him if we could discover our purpose for being here on this earth and live accordingly it would help us to have fulfillment we would have peace we would have joy in our life if we could live according to this purpose I, I really believe that the world is looking for fulfillment in other places though you know, they, they're, they're looking for fulfillment. They're not realizing that this is where fulfillment is found. And so they're looking for fulfillment in stuff. What money can buy. You know, if I could just have a job that would pay me a, a good salary so I could have the, the right house and the right car and, and the right electronic gadget, if I can have the right phone and, and the right computer and, and on and on that list goes of things that, that people are looking to have, expecting that those things will find uh, give them fulfillment in their life, and yet once they have those things, they don't have fulfillment. And so they keep on looking. They may turn to alcohol. They may turn to drugs. They may turn to to sex. If I could just have the right relationship, then I would be happy. And yet you find that relationship that you think is going to be right and and you find that really that, that doesn't bring fulfillment. It's, yeah, it's a good thing to connect with that person that you love. But if you're looking for that person to give fulfillment to you in your life, They can't do that. Only God can give us fulfillment. And so my challenge to you is to invest your life into those things that really do matter. Invest your life into God because God matters. Invest your life into people because people matter. Invest your life into God's plan because God's plan matters. His plan will withstand the test of time. When we stand before Him on Judgment Day, this book right here is going to be opened and we will be judged according to this book. I assure you, His plan matters. I want to read to you from Jeff Vine's book, which is entitled Dinner with Skeptics. This is what he says about this idea of finding God's purpose and fulfillment through that purpose. He says, remember, God cannot force love. He can only compel it. What better way to woo us to Himself than to create us with a built-in need that only He can satisfy? I was 
in Sunday school a week ago with Randy Carter's class, and Randy was teaching, and he, he made reference to this very idea, saying that there, for every single one of us, there is a God hole. That's what he called it, a God hole. And, and, and only God can fill that hole. If you try to, to fill that hole with other things, then, then you're not going to have satisfaction. You're not going to have fulfillment. It will be like having a round peg and trying to put it into a square hole. You, it just doesn't work. We have a God hole in our heart that only God can fill. Jeff Vines continues to write along this line of thinking. He says, God's hope is that when we have tried every temporary means to fill this eternal need, we will finally seek Him with all our hearts. At this point, the reason we live dramatically changes and the value of our life can significantly increases. Not only do I matter, I matter to the God of this universe. I have been made for a purpose. I am a part of a plan. Did you hear that? You and I, we are a part of, of a plan. It's God's plan. When we discover that plan, when we live according to that plan, then we are going to have true joy and our life will be filled with purpose. We will have fulfillment in our life. And so here's the question. What is God's plan for our life? We, we could go in a lot of different directions today in an effort to answer that question. The best case scenario for you would be that you pick this book up and that you read it, that you become familiar with this book and discover His plan for yourself. Over the next two weeks though, I am going to give to you two very important pieces for that plan. And the first piece is this. He requires us to be holy. Let that sink in for just a moment. God requires us to be holy. I want to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Please note from this passage that, that God is not really giving to us an option concerning holiness. He is not making to us just a good suggestion. He is not saying, you know, you, you really should think about being holy because I think it would be a good thing for you. No, that's not what God is saying. God is saying this, you shall be holy in all your behavior. He's very emphatic about this. We are to lay aside our old life. We are to lay aside our former lust. And we are to be holy because He is holy. This is who He is. This is how He is. This is His nature. We are to be like Him. We are to be holy. Well, do we understand what that really means? We need to, if this is what God wants us to be, we need to understand what it means to be holy. To be holy means to be pure. 
It means to be above reproach. It means to be different than the world. How are we to be different from the world? We are to be different from the world in every aspect of our life. We are to be different from the world in what we look at. We are to be different from the world in what we are listening to. Just last evening, I was in a separate room from my my wife and my mom who's here for the weekend. Uh, They were watching TV and I was spending some time with this sermon, looking at it and studying and, and uh, preparing for today. And I, I heard and I saw what they were watching. And it, it was a movie uh, from, from several years ago. And yet, after a little while, I, I recognized they weren't watching the movie anymore. And so I, I kind of got up and I walked in and I said, you're not watching the movie anymore? And Cindy said, no, there's just too much cussing there and there was some stuff there that we were having to look at that we shouldn't be looking at. Uh, well, good, good, good. Because as holy people, we are to be different from the world in what we're looking at and what we're listening to. We are to be different from the world in the things that come out of our mouth the things that we are putting into our mind, what we are consumed with. You think about what the world is consumed with these days. They are consumed with sports. They are consumed with themselves. They are consumed with with money and all that money can buy. And yet, holy people recognize we really are to be different from the world in that way. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy those things, but it's... What is it that we are consumed with? Are we consumed with God? Are we consumed with the things of God? What do we do with our money? We are to be different from the world in how we spend our money. We are to be different from the world in what we do with our time. Who we hang with. Where we go to. Did you know that God calls us all to be saints? And that may sound really strange to you because in your mind you may think of of sainthood as, as reserved for those people that are far and beyond our reach. Those people who are much more holy than what we are. And yet God has called all of us to be saints. Not just St. Matthew and St. Paul and, and St. John. And, and then in, in, in our realm of living, we may look back a few years and, and think of Mother Teresa and, and the sacrifice that she made and how she lived such a pure life and for Jesus. That's what a saint is. Or E.K. Uh, We have kept E.K. the last couple of years that he has been here. And he has come always during World Series time. And and a couple of years ago, the Cardinals were were in the World Series. And I was interested in that. And this year, he was here again during the World Series. And the Royals were were playing. And I was interested in that. And E.K. didn't have time in the world to sit down and watch baseball on TV. Do you know why? Because he was interested in other things. He is consumed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
He's on the computer writing a a letter of encouragement to this person and then to that person. At 3 a.m. every morning, he's up praying to the Lord, praying until 5 a.m. And then he might lay back down for an hour and go to sleep. And then he's up for the day and he's back on his computer and, and writing letters of encouragement to those people back in his homeland. He's consumed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that we as saints have to fit into the mold of E.K. or the mold of Mother Teresa, but we do need to understand God has called each and every one of us to be His holy people. We as a church, collectively, are to be His holy people. And yet, for so many of us, that's hard That's hard to sink in. And yet it's the truth. We are to be holy in all our behavior. You've heard people excuse themselves saying, uh, you know, everybody's entitled to a little advice, aren't they? I mean, I've got a temper problem, someone might say. My dad had a temper problem. My grandpa had a temper problem. I just come by it naturally. I can't can't help myself. I'm pretty good in every other area. Somebody else, that might be something different besides a temper problem. But, But it's just easy to excuse ourselves and we say, surely I'm not expected to be perfect, am I? Well, the truth is, yes, you are, and so am I. I'm, I'm expected to be perfect. That's what we are aiming for. We are not to excuse ourselves thinking that we have a right or an entitlement to, to be able to sin. One vice leads to another vice. Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You say, hold on, Kevin, time out. I can't be perfect. Well, in actuality, you can't. And neither can I. I'm I'm not anywhere near perfect. But we should be striving for perfection. And we should not be excusing ourselves from sin by saying, Well, I can't be perfect, so I, I guess I just have to be okay with my sin problem. Well, let me tell you, God's not okay with your sin problem. He... We can't be okay with our sinning. God hates our sin. We need to hate our sin too. He demands that we be holy like Him. Let me read to you another passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. This is from the NIV as well. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy, and without holiness no one will see the Lord. Brethren, this is a very serious matter that we are talking about. If you want to go to heaven, then you have to be holy here upon the earth. You strive for being pure and clean in all of your behavior. Holiness is not an option for us. It is an absolute necessity. And please understand, this is for, true for the, the young and it's true for the old. 
I'm a member at Buck Run Community Center, and that gives me access to their racquetball court and to their exercise room. And as I am down there through the week, I see a lot of people working really hard to keep their bodies strong and fit. And you know, that's a good thing. Our bodies are to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we need to have our bodies in good shape. But we need to remember Paul's words to Timothy as he said this, physical training is of little value, of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I I just wish that more of us would pursue spiritual fitness the way I see so many pursuing physical fitness. We need to discipline ourselves to be holy. Now let me ask you this question. Does that mean that we can achieve holiness on our own? Absolutely not. I had somebody come up to me after the service Uh, the first service this morning and they were thankful that I I added this element to the sermon and she said, you know, this really helped me understand because all through my years, she said, I've been thinking I I have to do, I have to do, I have to do, I have to become this holy person and I can't do that on my own. And she's right, we can't achieve holiness by just putting a whole bunch of human effort into that. Yes, He wants us to strive towards holiness, to give our best effort towards holiness. But we cannot be holy by putting enough human effort into it. We need His grace and His mercy. We need His divine presence in our lives to help us against the darkness. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, the blood of Jesus covers our sins and His holiness is granted to us through His grace and mercy. That's how we become holy. But that grace that is lavished upon us, it should be that prompting factor to us to want to be holy and pleasing unto Him in all of our behavior. Let me read to you another passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-8. through 8. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Don't miss verse 7. It said, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live 
a holy life. This whole section of Scripture is talking about our sexuality and the fact that God has called us to be holy in our sexuality. In other words, we are not to be living like the rest of the world lives in regards to sexuality. And how does the rest of the world live? They live according to Hollywood's rules. They live according to Nashville's rules. Nashville and Hollywood try to brainwash us through what we're watching and what we're listening to, and they tell us that it's fine to just crawl in and out of bed with the person that you feel like you love doesn't matter if you're married to them. That has nothing to do with it. Just follow your passion. Do that which is natural. Well, it may be natural, but it's not spiritual. And God has called us to not follow our passionate lust. Rather, He has called us to follow Him. And he says, by the way, if you live according to Nashville's rules, if you live according to Hollywood's rules, there will be a day of accountability. Just, just count on that. What about Romans chapter 12, verse 2? The New Living Translation puts it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Well, just... Just stop right there for a moment and let that sink in. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, don't do the normal. What everybody else is doing. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. Did you notice from that verse where it all starts? It starts right here, in the way that we think. And what is it that's going to influence the way that we think? Those things that we're looking at, those things that we're listening to. So right here's the key. You dig into this book right here. And listen to the Holy Spirit. And between this book and the Holy Spirit, they will help you think more clearly. The fuzz will be removed. The cloud will be removed from your eyes of what Hollywood and Nashville has been feeding you and what the crowd is feeding you. This book will will help your vision become more clear. And you'll be able to make right decisions as to what to do and what is God's will for my life. He requires that we be holy. That we be different from the world. 2 Peter 1.3 is another passage that is meaningful to me. It says that God has given to us everything we need to, for life and godliness. He's not sent us out into the world and told us to be holy and then not armed us with what we need. He's he's not been one who has failed to equip us with what we need to be holy. No, He's given to us everything that we need 
for life and godliness. Now, what is it that he's given to us? He's given to us, first of all, his son. He's given to us Jesus who would come here and live among us. He would walk in our shoes for 33 years and He has given to us the example of how to live. A perfect example. And then He died on the cross for our sins and His blood has been shed that when we fail to live according to God's will, we can look to Him and we can find forgiveness and grace in Him. His blood covers our sins. He has given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. Not only has He given to us Jesus, He's given to us the Holy Spirit who is living inside of us and He empowers us for holy living. If we listen to Him, if we follow His lead, He's given to us the Word of God, this instruction manual which shows us and tells us how to live. What else has He given to us that that helps us be equipped for life and godliness? Everything that we need. He's given to us one another. He's given to us the church family. Brothers and sisters whom we can walk with through life and we can hold one another accountable and we can encourage each other and pray for one another and give support to each other. We don't have to walk through this, this journey alone. We can walk arm in arm with one another. He's given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. He has given to us His holy angels who are God's ministering spirits to us and they help us. We can't see them, but they are helping us if we are one of His children. He's given to us His grace. He's lavished that grace upon us. He has given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's given to us everything that we need to live holy lives. It's kind of, it just goes back to that phrase. It's not what you know, but it's what you do. Are we making good use of all of that which He has made available to us? I've been reading a book for the last couple of weeks that somebody left on my desk. It's Boy, is it a good book. It's entitled Losing Cooper. It's written by J.J. Jasper. If you listen to American Family Radio at all, you'll be familiar with that name. He is one of their main voices on the air. If you know his story, it was five years ago now that he and his son Cooper were involved in a dune buggy accident. J.J. was driving that dune buggy. He was just horsing around. He was just having fun. He turned the wheel and he goosed the accelerator. He was going to spin out. And and, and they had done it a thousand times before with no incident. But this particular time, tragedy was crouching at the door. He hit the accelerator as the wheel was turned and... For whatever reason, the dune buggy flipped. And five-year-old Cooper was killed in the accident. 
He lived just long enough for his dad to get him out of the seatbelt that he had been uh, bound by, and, and he, he died in his dad's arms. It was an accident. But J.J. in his writing of this book describes the guilt that he felt and the blame that he put on himself. He said it was almost unbearable for him. But do you know what helped him amidst that crisis? Now, I, I, I know that you don't ever get over such an accident fully. But we do need somehow to to. Find a way to go ahead and live life. And he had four other kids in his family that he had to, he had to take care of those kids. And you know how he, he, he found a way to go ahead and live life? His wife, Melanie, forgave him. And never once insinuated that it was his fault. And I read that story and I, I just thought... My, my, what grace, what love, what mercy. You see, holy people act differently than what's normal in the world. Normal would have been pointing an accusatory finger and saying to him, It's your fault! You took away my only son. It's, you're the one to blame. But Melanie wasn't normal. Melanie, by the grace of God, responded like a saint. She said to her husband, I know it was an accident. It's, listen to me, she said. It's not your fault. I know you loved Cooper. I know you would have given your life for him. JJ, I forgive you. Do we always respond the way that we should? No. (laughs) No, we don't. But when holy people fall to sin, holy people know who to turn to. To the one who can forgive them. To the one whose blood has been shed and that blood covers our sins. His grace is sufficient for us. We get His righteousness. He in turn gets our sin. (laughs) That's quite a trade-off, isn't it? I was talking with someone just recently who has been wronged by a co-worker. I met with this person for the purpose of encouraging them and giving support to them. And she went away from my office. And you know what? I was the one encouraged. I was the one who was inspired. For when she said these words, I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to let anger rule over me. I will not let this define me. I know that God has a better plan for my life. I just, I wanted to shout, Hallelujah! You 
You know, holy people respond differently than normal people do. You know why? Because there is a holy one who lives inside of us. And if we'll listen to his voice, if we'll obey his voice, he will lead us to be holy in all our behavior. And when we fail, his grace covers our sins. And that's not an afterthought. His grace is the theme of our life. We live underneath His grace, recognizing His love for us and His mercy towards us. And that love prompts us to want to be holy and pleasing unto Him. I have a friend who lives on the outskirts of Fort Scott. His name is Troy Peterson. Troy suffers from what is called chemical sensitivity. That simply means that he was exposed to chemical spray, somewhat like what the highway uses, the highway department, as they spray alongside the roads in our county, uh, and they're spraying for weeds. Where, where most people, like you and I, we can handle that and not have a, have a problem with that, and we appreciate the weeds getting, uh, getting gone. For Troy, it was a completely different thing. It was a bad thing. It destroyed his neurological system, and he has never been the same since. Think about the prison that he lives in. He can't leave his house from the month of March to the month of November. And he's always been an outdoorsman. Actually a hunting guide in the Colorado mountains. His family owned and operated a hunting lodge in the mountains of Colorado and that's where he was exposed to this, this chemical and it destroyed his system. He was a guide, big game guide for people who would come into the mountains and he would take them hunting and they would come away with, with, with elk and, and mountain goats. So he moved back here. This is where his roots were. This is where his family was from. And so when winter comes and a lot of us are wanting to be inside by the fire and warming ourselves Troy has an opportunity to get out and enjoy some of God's creation but but I have always been amazed at his attitude about his situation his imprisonment I have never once detected bitterness coming from him Now that's not to say he doesn't get discouraged. It's not to say that he doesn't experience loneliness because he does and he's frustrated especially in those summer months. But who wouldn't be? But I have never detected bitterness from him. If you talk to him, there is constantly praise coming out of his mouth towards 
Jesus. He's like what I was saying E.K. is. He is consumed with the gospel of Christ. Somebody after first service told me that there was actually a a special on last night, Channel 7 News, about what Troy and his brother are doing during the wintertime. Do you know what they do during the wintertime? They invite wounded veterans to come to their farm in Missouri, and they guide for these veterans as they go deer hunting. And while they are there, they are giving these veterans the weekend of their life, an unforgettable weekend, and they, they feed them and they treat them with kindness and, 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 and make them feel so special and appreciated. And while they have them there, they preach Jesus to them. And over the years, several of these veterans have given their lives to Jesus. You see, holy people act differently than normal people act. It's because of who lives inside of us. So my question to you today is simply this. Are you a holy person? Are you living according to God's plan? We have been created to love God and love people And live God's plan. His plan for us is that we be holy. And when we realize that purpose and begin to live according to that purpose, then the God hole that's here in our heart will be filled. We'll experience joy that we're looking for. We'll experience peace, contentment. I'll read to you one final time this verse from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we understand that we cannot do enough. We cannot put enough effort into this effort to be holy. You are the one who saves us and your grace covers our sins and your righteousness is given to us. And yet there is that line that we must find in understanding too that there needs to be discipline on our part and there needs to be effort on our part and there needs to be a death to self. So help us through the Holy Spirit to figure that out. We need you, Father, desperately. In Jesus' name.